This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Shut up and sit down. All right, everybody, back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. John and Adam here, and we're talking with Nick Albanese from Zeus Broadheads, amongst many other ventures. Um, and we are sitting here in a garage powered by a generator, slight <laughs> exhaust fume. So if this starts to trail off, you know, maybe you'll get kind of what's going on. Eight and a half inches of snow today, no power in the. Uh, 10, 12, 15 mile radius. So that's kind of how we're doing tonight. How are you doing, Nick? Good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. You know, we are just kind of grassroots and John's a real gear guy. I want to try everything under the sun. Um, and so with us and, and gear, we don't usually, and you and I had talked about this before, we don't bring on a whole lot of, you know, products because it's like there's so many and everybody gets married to one or the other um, but what we do like is to talk to people you know who are doing things and kind of like changing things up and your broadhead is kind of like the antithesis of every broadhead it's been fixed and mechanical expandable from those are your two options right and uh, kind of what you've done is brought a whole new idea to the to the broadhead game um so before we get into that let's talk a little bit about you and kind of what you're you're doing in in the industry and kind of what you do day to day and and that sort of thing so about seven years ago i i ventured into the hunting industry with a product called steady form um i originally never wanted to be involved in the hunting industry to be honest with you I never planned on it um but i had built this product for my own personal use um what i had noticed was on a couple of shots now i shot a lot of targets um every day 
I would be outside just throwing arrows. So I was a, a good shot. Um, but a few times uh, while hunting, uh, a couple scenarios, I came to full draw, settled in, you know, got my anchors on the rear, put my peep sight housing together and touched off. And, and I noticed that a couple times I had shot left and hit the deer in the shoulder and um, ended up losing the deer. So I had this product built. What I realized was it was my palm. And in the heat of the moment, I wasn't paying attention to the level on my sight, you know, with adrenaline going and everything else that I just bypassed it and, and settled on the rear, not worried about the front and touched off. And, and that was the end of the result. So I knew that it was something in my palm and I figured out a way to set what is called now steady form up to make sure that my palm would fall into that same place without me having to rely on my level and giving me faster target acquisition. And that's how it started. And I put it on, we built it, tuned it in. And for the next, the, the, the following five years after that, um, it was just money, you know, every shot, money, money. Uh, as long as I knew my distance, it was, it was over, you know, and I kind of thought to myself, you know what, what the hell, why not take a shot and build them and get into manufacturing and, and introduce them to the industry, you know, and, and that's what I did. And that's how I originally got started. And so from there, um, mm -hmm. is it just like, uh, well, now that I'm doing this, I can do this or I'm already doing no. this. So just add another thing onto it. Or, I mean, how do you, how do you end up going down that okay. rabbit hole, I guess? Right. <laughs> um, so that's a great question. I did not, I planned on doing this as a part-time gig with steady form. It really plan on getting or trying to go into stores. I figured I would just hit some trade shows, um, and just and just run the circuit that way, uh, but then I got involved with a distributor which is called Kinsey's and Papes, and I started you know my social media, and it just next thing I know, still to this day, I mean the orders that come in from the distributors is is out of control, and and as the longer I did it, I thought, well, I'm here. So, but I didn't want to I didn't want to develop products just to be similar you know what i mean i wanted to develop something different so from there i decided to um start a tv show called tack driver tv which airs on the pursuit channel and what i was doing there was it was tack driver was going to be my marketing agent so instead of me investing dollars into multiple tv shows I decided to take those dollars and put them to work for me, purchase my own airtime so I could really talk about steady form and make it a show about steady form because I had sponsored shows and it was great for, you know, I'd get my two or three minutes of fame and then it was over, especially if they started gun hunting. Um, then there was no talk about it, but I needed to educate people on what it was. So that's how Tack Driver started, and I didn't, I didn't want it to be about me. 
So I made it a member base, let guys sign up, they buy a package, and the only stipulation was they had to have a study form on their bow. Uh, they go out, film their hunts, submit them to me. Um, I have them edited and then put on to the Pursuit channel. And I did that because if if I, if it was me all the time, like a lot of TV shows out there, there's there's one or two main players. I mean, you would be saying, well, he has to say that. It's his product. But if I show you a variety of everyday people putting and submitting footage, you would see that it's it's not just me saying so. So I took a different approach to to the show. Um, I, I'll put a few of my hunts in between everybody else's, but the majority of the hunts come from the members that have signed up to be on Tack Driver. And uh, as Tack Driver started going, it was doing good. And, Steady form was growing. I decided to, we live here in New Jersey and we're allowed to bait deer. And I've tried so many different products to enhance my growth of my whitetail that I'd set on a mission to try and build my own feed um, with mineral. Because if I put a mineral site out, I didn't really get any activity to it. So I figured if I could force feed them, um, maybe I could make a difference and get them to latch on. So we developed a product called B16. In B16, I, I spent a year in formulating and, and playing around and feeding and just monitoring the deer and keeping pictures and, and seeing the changes in the deer before I decided to go public with it. So I stretched into B16. B16 does extremely well also um guys you know we launched it last year uh, the guys that have used it throughout the year love the results and we continue to sell b16 also and then um while i was doing b16 i started coming up with this idea of zeus which is the broadhead and i i figured out why certain times I wouldn't get penetration. Uh, my bow setups were there to produce the kinetic energy and speeds and everything else. And a few situations happened. Well, particular one, I was in Kansas and I had a beautiful 150 inch buck dogging some does and he come in, he wheeled on me at about 30 yards and he was quartered two, and I was using a fixed head at the time and, I settled on right in front of his, you know, towards the center of the brisket and the shoulder blade. And I figured I would drive that arrow right in there. And I touched off and got about six inches. Of heat. When, when I shot, the deer had dropped down. And when they drop, their spines tend to flex down into that cavity. And I'm thinking that when I tried getting into that scapula, I, I ricocheted off that spine because he, his, his ass end fell down, but he wheeled around, got up, and took off. Arrow fell out, never found the deer. And I noticed on the arrow there was only four or five inches of penetration. And the idea I had for a broadhead was, you know, I needed something to, to, to do what it has to do, but I don't want it to do it all the time. So I thought about coming up with a system that would 
collapse only if it was called for. And if I could achieve that, it's a fixed blade broadhead 100% of the time. But I guess technically it can go into hybrid mode only when it's called for, but then revert back to fixed. Yeah, and so we, well, I was just going to say, yeah, so I mean, so for anybody that hasn't seen it, um, it's uh, what what's the the large, the open or the uh, inch and a half. So it's an inch and a half cutting diameter on the front with seven H and um, bleeders essentially. And then when it hits something, those blades will collapse to right. seven eighths. Seven eighths. And even so if the it, spring were to break or something like that, yep. it would be a seven eighths inch fixed blade broadhead. Right. A seven eighths by seven eighths. Right. right. So the the spring is designed so okay. So it's gonna work under it takes forty eight pounds of pressure just to collapse those blades. And It'll do so and then come back. Now, depending on how hard of a substance you really hit, let's say you want to go through a shoulder and spine, that spring is designed to crush. And the reason it does that is so that blades don't shear off and allow for that penetration. So there, it's a, it's a double-edged sword on how that broadhead is going to work, but it's technically fail-proof because when it collapses, it's in a secondary fixed position. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah like I said, John's like the the technical guy. I'm the like, yeah, cool. Right. I'm sure that it probably <laughs> works. Something, <laughs> you know, when you're hitting into some something really really hard, something has to give. So to prevent broadhead failure, I made it internal with the spring. But like I said, it all depends on what you're hitting. And say that then on the, the um, describe um, to the listener the the front of the the broadhead or the the tip and kind of what you got going on there. Yeah. So I took a different approach to the tip. Um, I wanted to make what I call a crowned tip. I wanted to make the tip wider than the ferrule. So I, 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 the, the whole design of this broadhead was all about saving energy. So I wanted to crown it out for a few different reasons, but if you notice, there are six channels in it. And by making it wider than the ferrule, I wanted six channels of air to bypass the blades and the shaft so that I would alleviate planing and drag, in turn storing more downrange energy upon the hit. But then that tip is also designed to move material out of way and make a hole big enough by itself that there's no drag on the arrow. So once again, it's saving energy. And I figured that's the, the tip is the first thing to make contact. So that's where the most amount of energy is stored and is going to implode onto the arrow. So we did it. And it did exactly what I thought it would do 
but even better than I thought it would do. And so what are your setups that you're, that you're running for, um, your bows, you know, that you said, okay. you know, said that they were set up to, to yeah. perform, so right? My, I, I run between 400 and 500 grains. Uh, my favorite is in that between, I'm going to say 420 to 440 mark. Okay. That's, that's my favorite setup. Okay. And what are you shooting for uh, poundage and arrow length? 70 pounds. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I say, John, John shoots full length arrows right. at like 600 grains or, so, you know. Well, my arrow setup right now is it's 29 three quarters and right. then it's uh, 540 grains without a lit, lit knock, you know, right. maybe like 560 with a lit knock, depending. And okay. that's with a hundred grain tip, but I'm running yep. 50 grains of brass up front just for a little bit, you know, more front of center. So, yeah. It's, you know, but I'm shooting, you know, my bow right now, I'm, I have a Hoyt RX-1 and I'm shooting 80-pound limbs on it. So, you know, 80 pounds? Yeah, 80 pounds. So. Oh, so that arrow's cruising. Yeah, it's still, it's still, you know, I've never shot it through a chronograph, but it's still moving out pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and Without so, like, on the, on the other side of that is, like, our, um, you know, my father-in-law, Frank, who's uh, on the show quite a bit, he's shooting 52 pounds and, you know, his yep. arrows are you know somewhere around 400 grains or maybe slightly yep. less and right. um and so that i was just curious with with that and it's it's funny that you had mentioned like with the steady form because it it's a story that comes up with frank all the time is back okay. in the day uh he missed two bucks in one sit um right couldn't figure out what was going on he was shooting an overdraw with little tiny arrows oh yeah and uh you know, couldn't figure out what happened, gets home and he sees two cuts in his riser where the blades had hit the riser because he torqued his wrist so bad. So that's it's just kind of kind of funny. I mean, obviously that's going to. That's extreme. Yeah, there, but. it's, it's going to, because of that short arrow and the angles, it, you know, it's oh, going to yeah. magnify everything. But I was going to say the shorter the arrow, the further behind the riser it is, it's going to magnify it even more. Every little deviation in the palm is intensified back there yeah it's like the teeter-totter effect you're exactly <laughs> not, now your pivot points yeah. back behind your wrist you know three four inches you torque that yeah. wrist just a little bit well now it's all magnified you know absolutely so and it was funny because last year i was playing around with one of my setups and i had backed up my rest as far back as it could go and i cut my arrows down to 27 inches i'm a 30 inch draw and my buddy, my buddy was was laughing at me. He's like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm just playing around." He goes, "You know, they got rid of overdraws because of the amount of torque that the you know the the, the slightest amount of hand torque was was so noticeable the further back you go." I said, "I realize that." I said, "But you know, with the steady form, it alleviates that." But I want to I want to see for myself going somewhat back to. The overdraw, you know what I mean? I mean, mm -hmm. technically it wasn't an overdraw, but I had set it as far back as I could to play around. And I got out there and we started shooting 50, 60 yards and they were just falling right in, right in on the money. I said, it's, you know, I said back then when they had the overdraws, if there was a steady form, it probably would have been a different outcome now. <laughs> right. I said, but, you know, being that, 
you know, there wasn't. I mean, I could come to full draw, deviate my palm a sixteenth in either direction, still still line up my peak with my sight housing, but in reality, your front palm at full draw is steering the tip of that arrow. Even with a drop away rest, like if you turn your palm, you're turning the tip of the arrow, and what's going to happen is with a drop away rest, you're still going to get anywhere, I don't know, 18 inches of arrow on the rest before it actually right. drops out of the way. So you have steered that arrow wrong. Right, yeah, it's... <laughs> It's 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 on the point of no return at that point. Exactly. I mean, you torqued your hand. It's 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 over. It's all over. Yeah. It's such a crucial area that's so overlooked. And still, you know, I get guys say, you know, I shoot a thousand arrows or whatever they want to shoot a week, and that's great. That is totally cool. But um, you hunt long enough, <laughs> you're going to realize that you're going to be in the field. For God knows how many hours on a sit. How many arrows are you shooting practicing while you're sitting there? None. <laughs> Our bodies don't even have form at that point. You might be leaning around a branch. You might be kneeling. Anything. You don't know. But all those factors play a role in that torque. Oh, absolutely. I mean, not only that, you got the adrenaline flowing. I mean... There's been times where, where I've drawn back and it's like, I don't even remember shooting. You know, exactly. So any little thing can help. I mean, you know, yep. I have, I've I, never used one of your, you know, the steady form, but. Right. I mean, how does it work with, I mean, like with when you're, I mean, obviously you got to practice how you play, you know I mean? So like if you're, you're wearing heavy clothes or, you know, it gets to be cold is there adjustment for that, or I mean, yeah, is it... I mean, it can be it can be adjusted, but the steady form does not fall on the forearm. Okay, which some people think it technically falls right behind the wrist. Mm. So that happens to be on the cuff of oh. any type of clothing you're using. Right. So when I adjust it, like say I'm shooting now bare arm or a light shirt, it's just a light touch. So the theory is if I come to full draw and I don't feel it, I never take my eye off of the pin in the ammo. I can adjust my palm to feel it and touch off. If I try to torque it too much where you would get string slap, it's not going to allow you. Right. You know what I mean? So yep. that's how that's how it works. Now, when you go to a heavier clothing, it might feel a little snug. Okay. But sense. I tell everybody, take a shot, make sure it's still on, because if it is an adjustment, it's literally like a 16th. It's not as much as you think. Right. Because the cuff of the jacket, you put pressure on it. it and let's say you were to pinch it with your two fingers. It's really not thick. Right. You know? Yep. So I never make an adjustment personally myself, but I do suggest guys try it. You know, when, when they set it up to themselves – you know, it's nothing to throw on a jacket real quick and take a couple shots. Right. You know, if there's a, an adjustment, uh, you can find that adjustment, mark it with some nail polish or anything so that you know if you have to move it, that's where you're going for later on in the season. And it's too, especially with the Elite version, we have a T-screw, what I call a quick disconnect, that you can loosen it by hand, move it, with, and it would take a second to make that adjustment. So kind of back to the broadhead, 
Yep. You hit this buck in Kansas that you don't get. Yep. And you decide, all right, I'm going to try and figure out a way to harness that energy to keep it, you know, keep it going. Well, right. So what I realized is with mechanicals and fixed blade broadheads, when they make contact, they're trying to take out a big surface area. Whether the mechanical has to open or the fix is the way it is, they're, they're, they're trying to cool out a certain amount of surface area. Well, in some cases, that is not to your benefit. And what happens is it robs all the energy. So what I wanted to do is go in reverse. So if I made a tip that moved material and made a slightly bigger hole, but yet had the blades able to collapse down, now I could squeeze in. So I wasn't trying to take as much surface area out at that time if it was called for. Right. So like as you hit a bone, it's not like you're going to kill a deer by breaking its leg. No. But it gives it enough, uh, let's say, ener- saves enough energy to break through that. And then those those blades pop back out to go through the soft tissues, which are the, that's, the fatal that's, wounds. Yep. Okay. And let's say you hit something severely hard. And, and like I said, that spring is designed to crush because something's got to fail. Right. So like the two main blades, you can never shear them off ever unless you're blowing up the broadhead. That's, that's the only time that's going to ever happen. So that, let's say you hit something severely hard and it crushes that spring and it's down into its seven eighths by seven eighths fixed position. The minute it comes into contact with the next hard surface, there's a ball bearing in there, a metal ball bearing. So that ball bearing acts as a punch, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So as it comes into contact with its next hard surface, the ball bearing flies forward just to give it a little punch, a little kick. It allows it to keep going through. So the, 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 the Zeus is a really unique broadhead the way it performs should be called a newton there's a lot of physics in this thing <laughs> just thinking like what's newton's second law of physics? like an object in motion will remain in motion or something like that i'm yeah. just thinking that ball bearing is going to be traveling even if it's back when it stops it's going to continue forward so. right i mean the, the ball bearing is steel and it has no choice but right. to fly forward yeah there's a like say like a lot of physics going on right there um and so once you come up with the idea and then and then then what you know you you decide okay so I mean, how much testing a, and, and and product development went into this a lot so a good buddy of mine Kerry Varen uh, he's the owner of Kate Tech stabilizers um, one of the owners he has a partner also but um, he's a good friend of mine does a lot of CAD work I gave him a call one day and drew it out on paper. And I said, I need you to do some CAD work and see if this can actually work. And I remember that conversation specifically. He said, Nick, if that works the way in theory it should work, he's like, that broadhead's going to be amazing. I said, I agree. So that started, he built the CADs got my guys um 
to build the, the broadhead, the company that's, that's doing it now, which is out of Michigan. And uh, they built me some prototypes, and they sent them to me. And right out of the gate, it was doing the first thing I wanted to see. So if a broadhead doesn't fly, it's, it's a problem. <laughs> so my first thing was it has to fly true. If it flies true, then we'll keep moving forward. So I stepped out 20 yards, dropped them in. Stepped out 30 yards, dropped them in. I said, okay. I know it's flying. Step back to 50 yards, drop them in. Good deal. That's number one. So then from there, I just started doing what I call broadhead failure tests with materials that I have available to me, which was the plywood, steel drums. And I wanted to see if I could make the broadhead fail. You know, if I, and, and, and I hear guys say, well, you know, uh, plywood doesn't have consistencies. I got news for you. There's not a North American animal that has a consistency. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? So it's like, I listen to people say that and I kind of brush it off because I don't want to start an argument, but there's no consistency in, in anything. It all depends what you're hitting. So I wanted to shoot ply, you know, I kept shooting plywood and steel drums and just kept shooting them time and time again to see if I could make a blade shear off or, or the ferrule bend because the ferrule is aluminum. It's a 70-75 aluminum. Um, so I wanted to see if it could withstand a piece of plywood, two pieces of plywood, plywood against a steel drum. Um, and it was. It was holding its ground and doing what it had to do. And Okay, so next thing is we're going to take it to the field. So I geared up a crew of guys. And here in New Jersey, we have unlimited tags. And our season goes to the end of February. So we had plenty of time um, to take it to the field. And I think overall, I think 28 deer were shot overall between me and all the guys. And not one deer was lost. Everything was recovered. It was 100% success. Um, some shots through shoulder blades, spines. I mean, you name it, we let them have it. I have on video the first deer that I actually shot was a nice, big, mature six. He was only a six point, but he was sporting a 20 inch spread, just big, big, big buck. And he pulled it in on me. And I thought, well, here's the shot that I lost a deer in Kansas to. You know, one of the things I tell every every bow hunter in general is knowing your equipment and your capabilities is key. So I knew what equipment, I knew what my capabilities were. I squared off on his shoulder blade. And keep in mind, when people say, I sh oh, I shot through the shoulder, shoulder and shoulder blades are two different areas. A shoulder blade is located up higher towards the spinal cord. So I knew I had to go up a little high. I wanted to touch that shoulder blade, and what had happened is I did, and I shot him, and I went through his shoulder blade, through his spinal cord, and out the other shoulder. Now, the arrow didn't blow through and hit the ground, but the broadhead had exited out the other side, and that deer just folded in half. And I thought, wow, it did more than I had anticipated. And, I mean, he was dead instantly. And uh, right then and there, on that 
first shot on that first animal, I thought, that's about as extreme as you're going to get. And the broadhead pulled it off like it, like nothing. And uh, that's that was the determining factor for me in my head that I knew what I had. And everybody else that, you know, it, it every shot is just amazing. Some of these deer wouldn't even make it 20 yards. Um, it was like hitting them with a shotgun, you know. And, uh, and, and a lot of it had to do with that tip. So, like, a few times, quartering shots, right? Let's say you're quartering through a rib cage. On a big deer, you got a big, heavier rib cage, and the Zeus would go in and maybe collapse to, say, an inch and a quarter, depending on, on how you hit the ribs. It doesn't have to collapse to its 7 eight. It's just going to collapse enough to need. It's going to know because it knows what it, what it's feeling at the time. And when we would crush those ribs, I notice fragmentation because the way the tip is designed to bust and push material out of the way, there was fragmentation of bone, like in the lung area. And it was weird because it reminded me of like shooting them with a gun. Now speaking of that tip, I mean. Yep. Your ferrule's aluminum. Your blades are stainless. What is your tip um, it's material? It's a, four, a 4140 hardened steel. Okay. So it's a, it's a real durable steel. Yeah. Say if you're, I've seen your video where you shot through the the plywood and the, the steel drum like three times three, with the same Three times tip. in a row. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And that's what I was, like when I looked at the, when Adam dropped the, the broadhead off to me, and I was like, I'm like, you know, this is pretty, uh, it's pretty, pretty aggressive design. But then I was like, man, that aluminum ferrule, you know, especially with, you know, you got the, the slot through it where the spring and the ball bearing is inside. I'm like, my only concern at that point was like how, how durable. And I'm exactly. like shooting it through plywood. And then I went and I looked at your video. I'm like, well, it, <laughs> it held up through it, you know, so the tip, yeah, the tip was, you know, my next concern and it. I mean, obviously, if it's shooting the same broadhead shooting through, you know, steel three times in a row plus right plus if, plywood. If it, exactly, if it can handle a piece of plywood and a steel drum three times in a row, there's not, I, in my opinion, there's not a, a game animal in North America that will stop that from going in. Right. You know what I mean? Like I said, it wasn't a penetration test; it was a durability test. Right, and that's, I mean it. It definitely answered my questions. Yeah. Um, another thing we've done, I mean, a lot of guys will do is shoot cow femur bones. Mm -hmm. And I've done those tests. I've done them a lot. And I video and I document. And I have plenty of video of me going through cow femur. The problem, I never posted them because I couldn't do it consistently. You see what I'm saying? So I didn't yeah. want, I didn't want to, do a false advertisement saying, yep, we can go through femur bones. And then it would be false advertisement at that point. What I wanted to show was materials that I can consistently go through. Right. Um, can I get through a cow femur? Yes. Can I destroy a broadhead on a cow femur? Yes. Once again, there's different bones. There's so many factors that play in bones. Um, age, uh, plays, you know, thicknesses of the bone, the way the bones turned, the ridges, flat parts. It all depended. 
But I didn't want to sell people on the fact that I can get through a cow femur bone. I wanted to sell them on the fact of materials that I can consistently break through all the time. So that's why I never put up that. And I get a lot of people asking me that. I've had guys shoot them into cow femur bones and, you know, break a broadhead. And I tell them at the end of the day, it's an aluminum ferrule. But keep in mind, there's, 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 not, there's, to me, you know, the density of a cow femur bone is not similar to whitetails. Yeah, I was going to say. It's, it's, just, it's an extreme. I'm not sure if. I mean, there's many people out shooting cows. <laughs> no. And I, and I told them that, you know, a couple of guys had messaged me and I said, look, if you're going to go on a cow femur hunt, don't use a Zeus. Right. But that's the best thing I can tell you. Yeah, you're talking about an animal that's, you know, 800,000 pounds holding right. up, you know, the, the bone structure is going to be completely different than. It, it's crazy, too, because I can cut a cow femur bone in half and look, and some of them will be a half inch thing. Some of them may be a quarter inch thick, but then you'll look at the variation of the bone throughout and there'll be thinner sides. It's like, well, right. how do you know which side you're hitting it on? Right. You know, um, I know there's, um, those heavyweight steel broadheads that will actually get through a bone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but they're 200 grains, 250 grains. They're breaking, they can break through. But that's not the norm for your compound guys. Right. And then not only that, like you're talking with the deflection, you know, that right. that big wide broadhead is going to deflect yeah. at a different rate than than say your your broadhead. Right. And you might get a so, marginal hit at that point. I mean, yeah, you broke through the bone, but it deflected it back into the guts and now you're Exactly. So the the, the cool thing is the concept I used um, when it came to Zeus was like a boat norse. You might have heard me say this before. Yep. Um, you know, if a boat's going down river and you got your two oars out and you pull one oar in, automatically that boat is going to steer. So if you get a blade to bend or, or shear off, you're going to get deflection. Whether you see it or not, it's going to happen. It's going to rob the energy. But if you got that boat going down river and both oars come in, now you've just picked up speed. And you're on a straight mark. Yeah. So anything with, you know, a blade um, pivoting or anything like that, to me, is very risky. A blade shearing off, same thing. Um, it's very risky that it's going to create deflection and rob energy. So that's why our blades collapse simultaneously versus independently. So getting back to the 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 cow femur thing, I mean, obviously there's going to be mm -hmm. detractors everywhere. And, I mean, if you want to destroy something, Lord knows that you can just go and destroy something or right. do whatever, post a video of making it look however. And that, that kind of goes both ways. Um, sure. What animals have you harvested with the – um, the Zeus or what, what has been, I mean, cause the only thing when you're talking about cows, I think about the, the, the black death in uh, Africa and stuff like that. I mean, right. that's, that's the only thing that you're going to, you know, yep. bison or something like that. Yeah. Um, but so what, what have you used these on and what kind of have okay. you seen? 
So the 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 one part about Zeus is we launched it in February. Right. So it was it was after the season for the most part. Um but not for us. So we had killed a pile of whitetails. We've had guys now um hog hunt uh this past week. Two guys had shot turkeys with them. And I knew it's funny because they told me they were going to use them for turkey hunting and I thought well a turkey is a light-skinned animal, and even the meat doesn't have that, like, real density to the breast or anything like that. And I told them, I said, it's probably going to blow a hole through a turkey pretty severe. I said, I'm not 100% sure of it because I haven't shot one myself yet, which I'm about to do in a week from now. But they said, well, we want to use them for turkey. Okay, try them. So both guys shot turkey. Both guys told the same story. On impact, the turkey just falls over, tries to get up, spins around a little bit, and just dies. And I said, what does the hole look like? So I'm just waiting for the pictures to come in, and then I'll post them up. <laughs> and they said the hole looks like you could see through that turkey. Just a giant hole. And I, and I explained to them, well, the tip is designed to just move material. And being that there's you know, a turkey's feather or the, the skin and the meat, it doesn't have that density. It's probably going to do it. And it did exactly what I thought. Now, once I shoot one myself, um, I'll, I'll know better because I'll see it firsthand, you know. Um, but as of right now, whitetails, um, pigs, and turkeys. Okay. Those are the three uh, animals that I know of. Okay. So uh, that have been shot. So technically, I mean, it's got moving parts. So like, like we went out to Idaho last year, and we could not use mechanical yep. broadheads. So does this fall under the mechanical broadhead? Yeah. Or? So I I had been looking. I have a buddy that lives in Idaho, and I asked him to uh, go talk to one of the local fishing game guys, and it, it, it was an interesting response that the fishing game guy said to him. So. For his first impression was, wow, that that's cool because it's in the benefit of the hunter and the animal. Right. You know, it doesn't. It's technically fixed, but but can collapse if it's called for. So if it's collapsing, it's doing so for a reason. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that you're not maiming or wounding an animal. Um, you're getting in there and and doing the job. Um, but what he said, which I thought was interesting, was no. It is technically, it is not legal in, say, Idaho. He goes, but if you put glue in the sides of that opening, he said, I, I'd be okay with you using it, is what he said to a buddy of mine. And I thought that was interesting. Um, but, it, you know, who's going to go and put glue in there? <laughs> right. At the end of the day, nobody's going nobody's gonna to do that. Um, but, uh, hopefully they'll come around to realize, uh, that yes, it does have moving parts, but it's in the benefit of the animal versus trying to say open on impact to, to core out such a big area and, and rob energy. It's saving energy by doing so the way it moves. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like I say, it, it's, 
such a outside of the box idea. Um, I think that that's what I think that that's why so many people are. There's like a buzz around it because it's like, what in the hell is this thing? What and and why and you know exactly. we we don't do it that way here in the archery yeah. world, but you know and. and getting ready for this podcast and kind of like trying to figure out things. And, you know, I mentioned it a little bit before the podcast. I wanted to talk about it is like, okay, so you've got this, this idea, this whole thing, but why in the world would you want to enter into like the most damning (laughs) like piece of the archery industry? I mean, outside of like bow companies where everything Matthews is great and everything Bowtech is not, or, you know, I've I've used a rage and I lost a deer and I'll yeah. never shoot a rage again and I only shoot fixed blades. I mean, Indians yeah. killed them with stones. So exactly. it's like, you know, if you make a good shot, it's going to be great and it's going to be the best broadhead ever. And if you make a right. bad shot and recover the deer, then your broadhead was your saving grace. But if you yeah. make a bad shot with a good broadhead and you don't find the deer because you're not, you know, confident in yeah. your equipment you know, either you don't do your due diligence or any of that stuff. It's naturally the broadhead maker's fault. So, I mean, yeah. how, where do you stand with the detractors and what made you decide, like, you want to well, enter into this controversy? I, and, and you're right. So I heard it right out of the get-go when, when I was about to launch. They're like, man, you know, with all – and this, here's the sad part is it, I say it all the time to my friends. It's hunters against hunters. Like there's so much controversy amongst hunters on the inside that it, it, it's actually a shame, but, but it's cool. I mean, it, it goes with the turf. Um, I, I wanted to push forward because I wanted to bring something to fruition that would truly help in a bad situation, whether you want to accept that it does or not, whether you, you decide, nope, I'm not going to try it. It's totally up to you. But in the event of a bad scenario, Zeus is going to come out on top. That I can assure you. And I wanted to bring it out for guys to try. And there's a lot of people that got them now that when the hunting season comes, something that should have went terribly wrong is going to end up with a good outcome. And that's that's going to come once people start hitting the field and, and going after, say, whitetail, mule deer, antelope, uh, whatever. There's going to be a lot more recovered animals in scenarios that probably should have went bad. And that's what made me push forward, that exact reason. You know, Zeus is a, what I call a three-phase broadhead. It works in three phases, from the tip, to the blades, to the bleeders being just a backup. Um, it's a unique broadhead. Uh, it, it's it's got a mind of its own. Is how the best way for me to explain it. It it knows what it's feeling. It knows what to do, and it's going to react to what it's feeling to get the job done. Yeah, it, it's it's just a really interesting. <laughs> I mean, like, so, uh, you know, give it. Short I have, I, 
it's crazy too because we we do so much testing. I still continue to do testing because there's things that sometimes don't make sense to me. And and one of the testings lately, so we've been running some heavyweight setups. Um, and it's me be, being curious, you know. Um, we've been doing some ballistics gels. I got other tests lined up here, but we would take we took. 10% ballistics gels. Are you familiar with ballistics gels at all? Yeah. The density is Okay, yeah. so you got a 10%er so, and you got a 20%er. And what's the FBI standard? Right. So like the 10%er is more say for um, your pistols. Okay. Where the 20%er is more for like a rifle. Okay. Yep. So if you were to grab a 10% ballistics gel and grab it with your hand, you could squish it. You could squish it real easy, right? So we had took um, a setup that was, say, roughly roughly around 600 grains with a um, with a single beveled uh, broadhead on it. It was a 150 grain broadhead, um, just a two blade. And when I would touch the ballistic gel with it, being that it was a cut on contact, it would just like butter going into that ballistic gel. When I would put a Zeus against the ballistics gel, you had to push and pop to get in there, if that makes any sense. Okay. Okay? Yep. So, so then we, we shot the 400-grain setup with a Zeus versus this heavier weight setup. We had two ballistics gels side by side. So I shot the first one with the cut on contact. Cut on contact. You know, there's not as much restriction on it like a Zeus. Zeus is four blades, so you got more friction versus just a two blade going through. And we got in, I don't know, 12, 13 inches into that ballistics gel. And I thought, wow, that was cool. And then we shot our 400 grain setup. And I blew through it, and there's six inches of arrow and broadhead sticking out the backside of the ballistic gel. So we repeated the test. It was the same outcome. We repeated it again. It was the same outcome. And and the only sense I can make to it is, so the Zeus is going to react as it's feeling anything over 48 pounds of pressure. So I could see the channel through the ballistics gel tapering down as it's making its way out. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, this little son of a gun is maintaining its forward momentum because it's collapsing down and, and, and feeling less restriction. So it was unique to see that a two-blade cut on talent tack couldn't go through at a heavier weight versus a lightweight setup with a Zeus. But there's, we've been documenting all this, and, and I'm going to release this video at some point in time. Um, and show all this stuff um, for people to see for themselves. Um, but then when I took a uh, different fixed broadhead, 100 grain, which was what Zeus we were using, um, that wasn't the outcome. So the 100 grain fixed broadhead wasn't getting as far as the heavier setup with a single bevel on it. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, that, I mean um, that that sounds like a a 
a crazy physics problem. I mean, it really, yeah. I mean, no, but I, I mean, I'm not, I'm, because in my mind, that's what I'm thinking about. It's like, okay, so yeah. what is the amount of surface area and drag that's created by that? So then you've got your your force forward and momentum, you know, mass times acceleration, etc. Then you're being active. Yeah. So then your surface area with the your broadhead, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. is smart enough to decrease the surface area to keep forward momentum. It's just working towards equilibrium. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it's, um, I've run into this before, like dealing with like, um, running diesel engines on, um, vegetable oil and, and biodiesel and things like that is like, there's the redneck engineering where there's guys that just do shit and it Mm -hmm. works and they know that it's going to happen, which is like, On some level, I'm just going to shoot this broadhead into this gel, and man, it's weird that the this one goes through and this one doesn't. But then right. on the complete other side of that is like in that world, there's chemists that say, "Well, this is what's happening because of this chemical equation," right? And these guys are just going, "Well, man, I heated it up and it it runs like some bitch," <laughs> you know. So it's like <laughs> that's so, it. So, so the cool thing is, let's say you wanted to decrease your arrow weight. And pick up some more speed. With a Zeus on the front end, it's a no-brainer. Like, I'm going to go hunt moose in the end of September up to New Brunswick, Canada. I was able to pull a tag. And I'm going to run a 430-grain setup. I have zero doubt in my mind that I'm going to blow completely through that moose. Because if I can push through that ballistics gel over and over again, the density of that ballistics gel... I don't think a moose is more dense than that, say. I mean, it's made to stop bullets, for that matter. And some people might think I'm crazy, but I'm, I'm going to show it. I'm that confident in it. Now, I have other tests that I'm doing. I don't really want to say until I release the video, and it's a 400-grain setup versus six and 700-grain setups, just to show people the outcome, that it's not just here. It's here and it's here also. But if I go and do that 400 grain setup, say with an expandable or a fixed, the outcome is completely different. So are you, um, and uh, you know, maybe this is part of that test and, you know, the answer would be no, of course not. I wouldn't do that at all. But are you putting uh, like bones or anything in this ballistics gel yeah. when you're mixing it up so that you can? No, but, but one of the tests I have a, um, uh, a butcher had butchered out a 500-pound boar. And I had him cut the, that two-and-a-half-inch armor plate out. So what I'm going to do is take that plate, I'm going to turn the ballistics gel sideways because they're six inches by six inches, but 16 inches long. So I'm not going to run it long ways. I'm going to run it sideways. So you'll have the two-and-a-half-inch pork shoulder, and six inches of ballistics gel behind it to show, you know, what happens with a Zeus on it. Right. I mean, that's because, you know, like I say, this is not an indictment on you. I think it's just the, again, redneck tech 
and kind of yep. like what YouTube has to offer is like you can only shoot broadheads into so many things. You know, yep. it's cinder blocks, plywood, yeah, some barrels, yeah, and then cinder blocks. Zeus doesn't work. Um, definitely doesn't work. The the that 40, 40, 41, 40 tip is going to overpower the aluminum. Right. Just going to. Um, so cinder blocks, it doesn't work. I don't sugarcoat anything. You know, I've never have. I'm always upfront and honest. Um, towel femurs, it's a 50-50 shot. But I, in, I, me personally, I think it's a 50-50 shot with any broadhead. I don't care what it is. It's all depending on what you're catching. Uh, yeah, the angle that you hit it at. I mean, yeah, there's so they, many variables at that point. Yep. You can yep. And I have video. Side. I have video of me going through one, through a cow femur, no problem. Using two different broadheads behind me, which I've already split them. I've already broke through, so I'm shooting at the same bone. And I explained in the video that I wanted to put the Zeus through it first because I didn't want people to think that the other broadhead cleared the path for the Zeus to make it through. I'd rather Zeus clear the path for the other broadheads to make it through. But the that particular video, the other two broadheads were destroyed. But the Zeus had went through. And everything I do is documented. There's no cutaways. It's all video proof. You know, I don't take pictures. I show it to you the way it is. Now, I also say in that test that even for the other two broadheads, don't base this test on a reason of saying these broadheads are no good. So I'm not disrespecting them because I know that a I can I can make a Zeus fail on a on a femur bone too. You know, it just happened to be the right bone that it went through. So it's not I have it and I'll show it, but it I also explain in there that it's not a a test that I would me personally if I was going to base a broadhead on any broadhead. Me personally. And you know we're running up here right about an hour. I don't want to keep you too long yep. but w one of the questions that i do have and i heard you talk about it like i said i think on the the where to hunt podcast and you know i i love eric and you know d rock was on there talking oh, about yeah. the uh, love d rock too but um it, they were talking about i think you were talking about the shooting multiple animals with the same broadhead so i did with you know mechanical broadheads i mean and especially you know big cutting diameter ones the weight the aluminum ferrule you know, I, I've bent a lot of ferrules, you know, they're kind of yeah. like one and done or the broken blades or, or, you know, anytime that there's moving parts, there's, you know, there's going to be a weak spot. Something's going to fail. Sure. And yep. so putting it out there to our listeners, you know, was a question about durability, um, yep. replaceable blades and can you sharpen the blades? The blades do seem a little bit thicker, um, at yeah, least on the, the front ones than kind of yeah. a, a normal mechanical broadhead. Yes. There are 35,000 thickness. I went with a little heavier blade. Um, I'm just, you know, I want durability. Uh, we also have, are working on or finishing up what's called a rebuild kit. So the rebuild kit's going to have, so there's two blades on the top there because they're, 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 they're moving blades. So there's two of them and then there's one bleeder. So this kit's going to have six top blades, three bottom blades, three springs and three balls. At the point that you're going to take those two top blades out, just hang it upside down, dump the spring and ball out, and just start fresh. 
And as far as multiple animals, durability, that sort of thing, I mean, what yeah. have you guys seen in your, you know, amount of the animals that you have been able to shoot? And, and what happens when you miss? I mean, because, you know, with these, you know, we, yeah. John and I each got a, a broadhead, you know, I was shooting right. it into the, uh, my broadhead target from yeah. 20 to 50 and, you know, my broadhead target sits outside. So there's a lot of dirt and water and all sorts of <laughs> yep. stuff. So it was, there was a, a little bit of a, a shit got in there, I guess, for the lack yeah, of a better yeah, term yeah. after, you know, 20 yep. shots or so. So, yeah. So, um, me personally, I was in Ohio. I shot a doe in the morning, uh, took that same, it went through or stuck in the dirt. I inspected the head, looked good, washed it off. Went back in the stand that evening and shot a 140-inch buck with the same broadhead and arrow. Went through him, stuck in the dirt. The broadhead was still good. Spring was still good. Broad, everything was still good. Now, keep in mind, I was hit, I hit the doe through the shoulders, not the shoulder blade, through the shoulders. And I hit the buck. Um, he was quartering, slightly quartering too, so I went in behind his shoulder and exited his ribs. Um, and the broadhead was still in perfect condition. One guy I have, one of my guys, I think he shot a total of eight whitetails with one broadhead here. And so what are you doing for maintenance or upkeep on these broadheads? And I can tell you right now that the broadheads keep uh, keep their sharpness here pretty yeah. well because John just sliced his thumb open after shooting his a bunch of times <laughs> while he's sitting here playing with it while we're talking. So. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot, has to, a lot has to do with having that thicker blade. You know what I mean? Um, holding that edge a little bit longer. Um, but, you know, we'll assess them. Um, I'm more, so I did that all on video. I shot that those two deer with that one head. But I'm more of a guy that I normally wouldn't do that. But I wanted to show that I'm comfortable enough to do it with a Zeus. Um, but I mean, you could sharpen them up, um, so that they're razor sharp again, um, clean them out, make sure there's no debris in there and they're ready to go back to work or, or you could get a rebuild kit, you know, for 25 bucks and have a brand new broadhead. So I did that. I wanted to be economical. I, I wanted it to be economical for, for everybody too. So that they didn't have to buy a whole nother pack of broadheads. Same thing with the tips. They're interchangeable. So if you bought a three pack of a hundred grain broadheads, now you decided you wanted to go with 125, you didn't have to buy a whole nother pack. I sell a bag of three tips for $9.99. Unscrew your hundred grain out, put that one on, and now that broadhead has become 125. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm so leaning towards. Yeah, there's a there's a few really cool features that make it cost effective for the user and gives them options. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I, it's just such a, a a novel idea. It's it's just like the antithesis of the the normal mechanical. My the right. only the only thing that I noticed after I shot mine through the bag or my block mm -hmm. target you know, quite a few times was right. it, it did. It, I don't know if I just needed to pull it apart and clean it out, but it did sound, right. it had like a little bit of a little rattle in the spring. 
Yes. So the spring, you, once you've worked that spring four or five, six times, it'll, you know, every time it's slamming down, slamming down, you're going to, you're going to start losing validity. Out of it. Okay. Um, we, we are, we did make a practice head. I'm just waiting on those blades to come in. So our practice head doesn't, the spring, you know, it doesn't have a spring, so the blades don't move. Okay. Nor are the blades sharp. They're just a flat. It's right. more for somebody to take a shot with it. Right. Just um, flight characteristics. Exactly. Um, because like with any broadhead, you know, when you take to the field with it, you want it to be brand new, right out of the box. Um, yeah, absolutely. If you, if you shoot multiple, if let's just say you shot one broadhead and you took three animals out, it's well worth it. When you're shooting into a target, you're going to shoot it multiple, multiple, multiple times. You're, you're going to work that broadhead to say, well, now yeah. I need to rebuild it. I need to pull these spring uh, blades, dump the spring and ball, rebuild it to back brand new. Yeah. Instead of me buying a whole nother brand new pack of broadheads. Right. Yeah, it makes so, sense. Put, yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're a new company. Um, I love feedback from guys if they think that they see something that they like better that I can make better, tell me. I love it. I love hearing that stuff. Um, but you know how social media is. Um, it can go either way. Um, but you kind of roll with the punches and just keep moving forward. Well, like I said, you know, to, to start this is, you know, we – you know we're not married to to anything and we don't uh, i like to try everything john likes to tell me everything that i like to try is shit so um, (laughs) and it's so hard um you know with with you know companies and then you say well you know somebody comes on here and they're obviously their product is going to be the greatest thing and then you know we've got people listening and i think you know for us just to you know talk with you give you a you know, access to all of our listeners and kind of our opinions on, on the thing, but it's really refreshing to hear you say, like, I want to hear people do this. I don't want to put this out there because, you know, when you talked about the trade show and the, the steady form and and all of that, like when I go to the shows, like not like the ATA show, but in, and even there, like to some degree, but you see these guys in these booths and maybe it's at your local farmer's market, but like, I, you know, they pour their heart and soul into this stuff. Absolutely. And every time you walk by them where you're like, Oh, it's not for me. I feel like I'm like pissing in their Cheerios. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, man, you worked so hard for this. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's just, and, it's just, I mean, to, and you know, I can, I can watch guys like bash say on social media and I and I sit back and I kind of chuckle a little bit because I thought, I think to myself, like, I hope one day you decide to, to bring something to life. I hope you realize the amount of money and time that it takes. And then to hear somebody say that it's like, okay, no problem. It's easy to talk, but it's not easy to do. Right. So if you're going to talk, at least have some sort of background of something you've done, in my opinion. Oh, 100%. Start a podcast. Everybody's a, <laughs> a critic and everybody's like, well, I'm going to start a podcast too. It's like, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a blast. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, you know, you, like I said, you take it with a grain of salt and it's just like, okay, well, you have an opinion. That's cool. And I, and I don't want to... I don't want to be that guy that goes on there you know, like 
trying to defend my product and you know and start looking like a jerk because I've done that in the past with Steadyform when I first launched. You know, you get out there and you sit there, you defend your product, and they say, "Well, now I don't want to buy it because of the way you know you talk." But it's a double-edged sword, right? If you say something and make it public for everybody to see. Now it's out if there. If you don't want the feedback, you need to put up there, this is my results. Please do not comment on my post. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because if you don't, somebody's going to say something. And I used to see it, and I see it with, I saw it with Steadyform, and I see it with Zeus. And they'll say, <clears throat> oh, well, all these, all these uh, co-staffers or fanboys or blah, 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 you know, they come out attacking and, they, and it's almost like they're singling out Zeus. But here's the thing. I dare you to go on an area and say Rage sucks. Just, just say it. And then what, if you're gonna, if, what's going to happen is you're going to get backlash of the people that love Rage. Right. And what are you going to say then? Well, they're fanboys and pro staff, you know, right. be, you know, came in here. Like, I wasn't entitled to say what I wanted to say. You're entitled to it. Right. That's what I liked about your, your video when you were showing like your broadhead and you didn't even mention the names no. of the other no. ones. Because no. That because way they, here's the thing. I'm a manufacturer. And right. See how you're talking about how you felt when, when you were out to ATA and saying, man, these guys put their heart and soul in it. I'm that guy. So why would I do it to another guy? Right. It's just not cool and it's not me. But... Um, it is what it is at the end of the day, everybody thinks different. Everybody reacts different. I'm not here to disrespect any other manufacturers. Um, they believe in their products and every product is a great product to somebody. Yeah. So if you're going to say something about any one particular product and people start coming in and, and, and beating you up a little bit, you can't automatically say, well, that's their pro staff or their fanboys. You know, if, if you're not prepared for it, don't say it because it's going to happen with any product you put out there. You're going to have people that love it, that are going to want to defend it. Makes but sense. <laughs> it, it's how it goes with the turf. Oh yeah. Well, I think that's why, I mean, our, our podcast here is, is so much fun. And I think people can identify with it is because John is super analytical. I, just kind of like follow what he says, but I'm cheap and I'm, you know, I'll try this, I'll try that. I'll do, do this. And, you know, I want to try all the stuff. I don't, I, I think the best like research is to actually get your hands on something and, and try oh. it and decide rather than, right. you know, listen to, I mean, you can listen to somebody who, you know, no, there's people who know infinitely more about, you know, arrow weights, bow setups than, yeah. than either yeah. one of us. And they can say this is shit or this is shit, but they don't know like my style or what other equipment I'm using is, you know, my budget, all of those sort of things. And then we've got, you know, my father-in-law who, you know, worked at the pro shop forever and a day. And he tends to lean towards like TV stuff and and gimmicky (laughs) stuff and kind of like the, that, that sort of thing. So we've kind of got a a pretty well-rounded thing. So it's, like I say, it's really refreshing to talk to somebody who's just, you know, honest and saying like, this is what it 
is, this is what it isn't, and yeah. this is why. So, so you know, really you know, appreciate if that. I, I, if I'm going to test a product, any product, I'm going to do multiple tests to determine whether I want to use it or not. So if you're going to test a Zeus, you know, do it on multiple tests. And if Zeus comes out four out of the six on top, well, majority wins in my eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I base any of my tests. You know, if I see somebody just do one test, I'm like, okay, what else did you do? Nothing. Hmm. Okay. And so you're going to make a determination on one test. I don't do that, me personally, with any product. You know, I'm going to do series of tests, like arrows, same thing. I beat the hell out of my arrows. And I, and I can assure you, throughout this testing, there's certain arrows that could not withstand the blows. Some very well-respected names. Now, plywood and steel drums are not the norm. So I can't sit there and tell you, well, this arrow is garbage because it broke. It's freaking plywood and steel. Right. It's not a white-tailed deer. You know what I mean? Um, that's a, that's another reason why I just I don't I don't voice my opinion about other manufacturers and other products. It's just not classy. It's not cool. Um, I'm not that guy. I'll never be that guy. Uh, even these other tests that I'm talking about with the ballistics gels and everything like that, I'm not going to say which broadheads they are. But my tests can be easily duplicated. Nothing's in the studio. Nothing's fancy. And I do that for a reason. Because if I show you a test that I'm consistently breaking through, you should be able to duplicate that test with ease. And you should be able to duplicate that test with your existing setup. And you can determine which one is better. If you really choose to. Yeah, makes makes complete sense there. Yeah, but like I said, even with these these other tests, um, I will tell you the setups. You know what the weights are and everything. I'm not going to tell you what the head is. I'll tell you if it's a single bevel or if it's cut on contact or whatever. Um, but I won't show the actual head because I'm just not going to do that. But feel free to duplicate it yourself because you can. If you think it's something that you're shooting or using and, and Zeus is showing you something else, well, try it. Let me know. I'm not afraid to stand on the front lines of my product, and I won't post anything that I think is fictitious. That's why I've never posted a cow femur video, and I've got plenty of them where I go through, but that would be false advertisement, and it's just not cool. So where can people find your videos and if they're interested in, uh, you know, any of the things that you've got going on, how can they get a hold of you, whether it's steady form or, yep. you know, the uh, minerals? They go to, uh, um, we have, obviously we have social media, Facebook pages, steady form and Zeus and V16. We also have our website that has all the products there. Um, whether they hit steadyform.com or Zeus.com or, it's all housed under New Era Archery, which is mine. Um, New Era Archery hosts all these, but the domain names will still all bring you there. So if you went to ZeusBroadheads.com, it's going to bring you into New Era. 
Okay. Like I say, I think that's pretty much all we've got for this evening. And it was, you know, like I said, it was great talking to you. It didn't even seem like a, an hour here in the dark. So, so <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. I really do. All right. Well, I think that's all we've got for today. So thanks again. Thank you. Okay.